I'm starting to see, thank you, some inquisitive faces. As you look at the screen, you're asking yourself, what in the world is happening? What does that mean? Well, there was a, not too long ago, there was a, a game show. I think it was called, it's not Pictionary. Uh, where you had to guess the the theme or the title based upon thank you based upon symbols and so i'm like hey let's have fun let's have a little fun why not so can anyone guess the title for today's sermon Do more, say less. Okay, that's, that, that's not bad, not bad, but eh, no. No. What, go ye and preach. Okay, that's not bad either. Eh, no. Okay. Um, anyone else will try to venture a guess? No? Kids? No? You had a good one? No, she's she a little shy. How many of you are afraid to say it? Okay. Walk. Walk Walk it like you talk it. All right. <laughs> All right, that's good, but no, that's not it. Um, you guys are on the right track. I mean, you're... you're you're, I think some of you are overthinking this so so much. Foot. Deeds are better than words. Okay, well, you're, you're all on the right track as, to, as far as where I'm going to go with the sermon, but no. Oh, say again. Feet kiss. You're the closest one of them all. All right, feet kiss. Well, you have a foot plus a foot. They're not foots. They're feet. Kiss my feet. <laughs> That's a good try. That's a very good try. All right, in the back. Say again. I can't hear you. Kiss people's feet. Man, you are very, you're, you're close. Okay. So I'm going to just give it to you. How about this? Feet kisser. Feet kisser. Okay? Feet kisser. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like it's a very attractive thing to do, is it? Um, and, and, and for some of you, as, as I share the title, you may already know which, which story of the Bible I might be utilizing. So um, there's an aspect of, of this story that we, we often miss. And I'm referring to Mary coming to anoint Jesus' feet. <laughs> you know when we look at the story of 
of, of Mary in anointing Jesus' feet. We look at the obvious and we think to ourselves, well, well, yeah. But there's so many underlying themes going on at that same story. We need to kind of peel the onion back in order for us to have a really good understanding or a really good grasp of the concept of what Jesus is really trying to teach. So as we move forward, uh, before I actually dive in and begin to talk about the sermon, now that you understand and know where I'm going to go, I want to ask you that you bow your heads with me, that we may ask God's guidance through this. Father, we are going to talk about something that sometimes is uneasy for us to recognize or even talk about. But Lord, we pray that you will reveal yourself in the same manner that you have revealed yourself 2,000 years ago. That Lord, that we may see you through the words and deeds and actions of your son, Jesus. Guide us in your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you here have a Facebook account? <laughs> who, who doesn't want to admit it? <laughs> you know, the other day I was, I was surfing the, the, the Facebook uh, realm or whatever it is you want to call it, the metaverse, uh, and, and my, my daughter looks at it and she's like, Daddy, you got more than 3,000 friends? And, I, and, and before I could even spit a word out, she's like, you know a lot of people. I said, I know a lot more than 3,000. And then I said, but not all of them are my friends. To which she replied, what do you mean? What do you mean they're not, then why are they considered friends? I said, well, you, you have to remember that just because Facebook, you have, the, the, it's a way to classify people that you can somewhat feel safe around in or that you may have an acquaintance with or that you may have a brush in at some point in time. So they put all of these categories into one aspect and they all are considered friends. But how many friends do we really have? When you really boil down to, I mean, if your Facebook account has over 3,000 or, or 2,000 or 1,000 or, 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 or if you, even if you just have 50 people, are they really your friends? Right? I see some of the young people who are like, no, 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 they're not all my friends. Well, I'm glad to hear that because we need to be really keen keen and, and, and have a, a intentional effort designed and ingrained in our mindset to who really is our friends. And 
And when it boils down to, when we look at, at, the, at the Bible and this, this particular story that we are going to embark in, in Luke chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to share, turn there to Luke chapter 7 with me. If you are not familiar with the Bible, uh, there is the Old and the New Testament, and if you open to the beginning of the New Testament, it is the third book, third gospel uh, in the New Testament. And we know that this story happens along among people who know each other. These individuals, the characters in the story, know each other, right? I, I would venture to say that, you know, I, th I believe Facebook has seen its heyday. I believe Facebook has seen its most prestigious days are now behind it. I mean, it's still pretty popular, right? A lot of us older... <laughs> older people still go into it, but the younger generation are using other platforms, right? But I, I remember not too long ago, n not too distant past, there was a huge social, religious, spiritual war taking place on Facebook. And it dealt with women's ordination. I'm not going to get into it. Because it got to the point where many people ended up blocking friends because of their views and even if you go today I mean you and I we all of us if we were to ask each other what our personal views on a topic will have diverging views I'm not here to say I'm against it I'm not here to say I'm for but by the way I am for women's ordination just to leave it out there so and if you have a difference of opinion than I do great not a problem we're still going to get along I promise you that at least from my end but it got so heated that you have people blocking each other as a result of a difference of opinion because they just can't get along. And it's sad. And if Facebook was around when Jesus was alive as a human being here on earth over 2,000 years ago, because he is still very much alive today, but just not here, the characters involved in this story probably would have blocked each other, or at least one party would have. Let that sink in just a little bit. But now let's get into the story. All right? Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 38. The first part says this. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Let me pause here for a minute. We always talk about how Jesus visits the less fortunate. And we always talk about how Jesus rubbed shoulders with the sinners. But Jesus, it's okay. He's fine. 
He's good. But Jesus also rubs shoulders with the elite. We have to take into account that it's not all about the poor. Okay? I know this is going to get out so wrong. It's not always all, all about the poor. Because the elite also need salvation. But it's not just about reaching the elite either. So when we read this story, Jesus is reminding us that he likes to rub shoulders all classes of society. And we need to be conscientious of that. And we need to be, our efforts to reach our society, need to, we need to be conscious of that as well. And so, and he went to this Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat and he beheld, behold, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. Oh my goodness. There was a woman that was a sinner. If that was your only description of who you are, man, I wouldn't want to be described that way. But the reality is that we are all this woman. We are all sinners. And so he continues, And when she saw that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of the hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Man. You know For people who observe the, the, the service of humility, we would probably find it weird if this literal action was being performed. We don't live in a culture where we kiss each other's feet, much less wash each other's feet. But what she did here needs to be remind, we need to be reminded that she wasn't just anointing Jesus for she recognized who he really was is that in the, we also are reminded that Simon was the one who invited Jesus to come and eat Simon is the one who is the host and in those times the host would make sure that whoever came to the house would have had a very good showing of hospitality I remember not too long ago in one of my previous trips back to Massachusetts where I, was, I did not stay at the base, but I stayed at one of our friend's house. And when I arrived at their house, they showed me to my room. And when I arrived in my room, there was a tray with a bunch of goodies. There was some M&Ms. There were some Ghirardelli chocolates. There was a couple of water bottles. And I was like... This is really nice. And it wasn't because um, I can, I'm special. But we, were, we are friends. Till this day, we are friends. But she was showing me hospitality and went out of her way to make me feel special. 
You see, it was Simon's job to make sure that Jesus' feet had water so he could refresh from a day's journey or from walking around. See, they didn't have closed-toed shoes like we did today. They had sandals or flip-flops or however it is that you want to call them. And so it was customary that the host would provide a basin so they could wash their feet. And how many of you have ever washed your feet in cold water on a hot day after a long day's work? It feels good. It's refreshing. But Simon had an opportunity and he missed it. And so here, this woman who's called a sinner decides to take it upon herself to actually take care of the guest even though she is not the hostess. So she goes to Jesus. And instead of having water, she washes it with her tears. And instead of having a towel, she uses her hair. And, 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 and once she's done washing her, his feet, she puts one of the most expensive fragrances at that time that money could buy. You see, but they knew each other, right? They knew each other. How do I know this? Well, the text reveals that to us. Because if we could see this being unfolded before our eyes, it would be in the form of a comic book format. Because what happens next is we get to see what Luke writes because Jesus is reading the thoughts that are going through Simon's head. How would you like to have one of those bubble things that you see in, in comic books where you can read or, or depending on how it's drawn, you know, if it's circles, you know that they're thinking. If it's a, you know, a pointy diagram, you know that they're speaking. On this, in this occasion, Simon has these circle things that there's a balloon over his head and he says, oh, if you only knew. How would you like to go around where people can read your thoughts? See, we, we hide our thoughts from people, but yet we can't hide our thoughts from God. God knows what we're thinking all the time, even if you're looking that at him or her and saying, hmm, if they only knew. Right? God sees that. He reads that all the time. So let's look at it. It continues. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and in what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. Oh, God forbid that we call each other sinners. Are you judging me? That's the first question that comes to our mind. Are you judging me? Are you? Well, that's what he was doing. And, but Jesus did see that bubble thought 
you know, it popped up. And, and, and as soon as he finished thinking to himself, Jesus said, hey, Simon, let me tell you this. I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. Go ahead. Growing up, I was, you know, Clint Eastwood's famous saying, go ahead, make my day. This is what comes to my mind when I read this story where, the, where Simon says, go ahead, go for it, right? You've got to be careful what you wish for. You've got to be careful what you ask for for God because sometimes it doesn't come in the right way in which we expected it will come. And so here Jesus says, hey, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors, debtors, debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other one 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Now, it is understood that one denarii is equal to one day's wages. So if you're looking at this from a mathematical perspective, one owed 500 denarii, so it's about a year and a half's worth of wages compared to one that owed about a month and a week's worth, or a month and a half's worth of wages. Who had the greatest, the greatest debt? But yet they were forgiven both. And so tell me, which one will love him more? Well, the Simon, the Pharisee, being a scholar, and, understand, and, and knowing that he knew the answer, he pretty much you know, sat upright, because... In those times, there weren't, no, there weren't round tables. There weren't tables, period. They sat around on, on, on a mat, and, and, and I can just imagine him, rather than reclining, he probably sat up, proud of himself, and saying, well, sir, I suppose the one who forgave them more. He said, you're right. You have judged correctly. You know, There's something here that we often miss. Because what Jesus has done here, he isn't talking about being grateful, is he? He didn't say which one is more gracious or which one is more grateful that his debt was forgiven. He flips the script and he says, which one loves him more? And so Jesus is now associating love with forgiveness. And it's very hard for us to love those who have offended us. It's very difficult for us to be friends with those who have hurt us in the past. Been there, done that. I've been on both sides of the, of the equation. And it doesn't feel good. And there are people who have been offended by our own. And when I mean our own, I'm talking about people within our church. And then we, we, we look at this and we say, I'm not going to go to church because so-and-so is going to be there. I'm not going to go to church because I don't want to see this individual. Or I know that that individual is going to be there. Or I know that that pastor is going to be speaking. So I'm, I'm putting myself into this equation because 
it doesn't feel good to be the one to be labeled as one who has committed a sin and yet not be approachable enough to be confronted. See, Jesus equates forgiveness with love. Because you can be gracious, you can be grateful because you are forgiven, but he goes even further because he also says that love is an action. You can't move forward with just thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is an action that you've received blessing, but when you love, you do more than just ex- express your gratitude. You go. So, to go and sp- go ye therefore and then spread the gospel, that's the cause- consequence of love. Jesus puts love and forgiveness in the same equation. Because what happens when you have love and forgiveness, you have peace. See, peace occurs 92 times in the New Testament. The actual word that is used here in the Greek talks about a peace that is just more than just, I'm going to put my head to sleep tonight and just sleep like a baby. Now, now I'm not talking about that kind of a peace. It's a peace, the Bible, Philippians and Paul calls this a peace that goes beyond all understanding. It's a peace that only you know when you experience it as a result of your encounter with forgiveness from the Heavenly Father because he has loved you. And you recognize that love impels and commands you to go out and to share. How do I know all this? Easy. Let's continue. Verse 43, this is not on the screen. So if you have your Bibles, follow there or on your phones. It says, Simon answered, I said, I suppose the one who forgave the more. And he said, you rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. And you gave me no kiss, but she has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Remember I told you that they both knew each other? Because we, Jesus read Simon's thoughts. He said, let me tell you a story. Many of us could look be the Simons on one side, and many of us could be Mary on the flip side of the coin. But to have peace that passes all, that surpasses all understanding, there's a crucial element to this 
that we need to grasp. It is the element of action. See, when we read this, this story concludes, Jesus ends with, in verse 50, your sins, excuse me, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. To go in peace means that you are actually not just taking back what has been done to you. It means that you move forward and work on behalf of those who were in the same position you were. How do I know that? Again, the Bible tells us. See, back then, the Bible, they didn't write the Bible with chapters and verses. So it's very easy for us to look at this and say, well, story's over. But is it really? See, you take out the chapter and the subtitles and the verses out. It can, the story continues. So now it came to pass afterward, verse 1 of chapter 8, that he went through every city, village, preaching and, and, and bringing the glad tidings of the, of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come out seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Ch- Ch- uh, that? Herod, Herod Stuart, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their sustenance. In other words, these women were key in supplying the needs of the gospel. See, it's not just men. It's women too. That's why peace also involves action. Because when God tells you, go, your faith, go in peace, your faith has saved you, it is a command for you to go and do likewise what was done to you. It's to reciprocate the love and forgiveness that was manifested to you to those who are in need of that. Peace is an action word. It's not just, I'm going to sit and chill. It's about you going and picking up where Jesus left off. See, this morning I'm not going to have roundtables for you to discuss because the questions I came up with I think are too close to home are too personal for you to start to address in the table that you probably are sitting with for people for the very first time. I get it. But I wanted this to be personal. Because there are things that you and only you know that you need to address. Some of you have experienced the grace and love that God has given you to move forward. And you have embraced that peace that come with it. But yet, that's only the first part. The second part is for you to step out and start to manifest that peace towards others. Sure, I get it. It's not easy. But it's not impossible. It is not impossible. I'm a testament to that. I, th- I think I shared the story once already, but I'm going to share it again. I had a college professor who, that I was struggling with. 
My mother was about to have neck surgery on the fifth vertebrae where she had a, a, a disc that was herniated. I was going to school in Brazil and, and this professor was teaching a class on the gifts of the Spirit. And you guys know what the gifts of the Spirit are, right? Love, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control. love and so I, I heard the news and now my heart had just sunk and I'm like man my wife my my mother could could become paralyzed should something wrong happen it, it's it, it's something that requires an intercession through prayer and I woke up the next morning and heavy heart I went to school and this professor was greeting everybody at the door. How you doing? Welcome. Are you, how are things going for you? But it was one of those kinds of questions that you know when you're walking down the street and you say, hey, how you doing? Do you really want to know? Well, let me tell you. No, okay, we'll talk to you later. And so as I approached, he looked at me, shook my hand, with this, and, and, and what I perceived to have been in sincere question he goes art how you doing and i said well professor i'd like for you to pray for my mother and as soon as i had said the words pray for my mother he turned around and started to talk to somebody else and here i am supposed to be learning about the holy spirit from a this individual. Till this day, he does not know how deep those actions cut. And there are times where we have experienced things where people have said negative things to us that they had no clue how deep it marred our hearts. And it it hurt. I sat there and the only things that came across my mind were, I can't repeat these words, these thoughts. That's how angry I was. And it got to a point where I had enough and I went to speak with a dean of the theology department. I said, I can't stay in the classroom with this guy teaching this class. And I went on to explain to him. Luckily, I had enough rapport because this, the dean now of, of, of the theology degree was my pastor when I was eight years old. So he knew my family well. His wife taught me in the third grade. And so he just sat there. because There were other things that happened that I had, I had to finally was able to bring out in a safe place. And I said to him, I cannot stand this professor. I cannot stand being in this classroom with him. And I remember the dean looking at me and smiling. And he says, well, Art, you need to forgive him. And the first thing that came to my mind was, Heck no. Me? 
I'm the one who I'm the one who's been offended. I'm the one who has been hurt. I'm the one who he caused damage to. Why do I need to forgive him? And I said it just like that. And he says, because he doesn't know he hurt you. And even if you bring it up, it's not going to matter. Because in his mind, he didn't do anything wrong. So the issue lies with you. You need to forgive him. Whatever you say, Pastor. He said, oh, by the way, you need to sit through his classes because it's a requirement for your graduation. (laughs) Roger that. My prayers as I moved forward were, Lord, give me the strength just to sit through the class because I didn't want to forgive him. I really didn't. And for the longest time, I, my prayer was, Lord, help this man know what he has done. Never in up, it took me years for me to say, Lord, give me the strength to forgive him. And when I did, it didn't happen overnight. There are things that happen to us that are so private, they are so personal that it will take a long time for us to get over, even with God's help. Even when we ask God, help me heal over this, he will, but it's a process. And process is exactly that, a process. It's it's not an overnight, it's not an unfriend button. It's not a dislike category. It's not a cancel culture it's a process. And so when I went and I started, I said, Lord, help me forgive this individual. God began to work in me. And it became a process. And it took years for that to happen. And I know that I want, I'm, I'm speaking to somebody here that is in that same boat. It's, but I urge you, for you to experience the peace that passes all understanding, you need to start that process because the process will be complete if you don't take action post-forgiveness. The action is you sharing the same thing that God has done for you. See, Simon didn't know that all three of those characters were in that room when Jesus was telling that story. I don't think he clicked right there and then because he was so focused on the story that he forgot what the intentions of it was. But peace is an action word. Peace is something that's going to cause you to get out of your seat and share the miracles God has done in your heart. And that's a process. So this, this morning, now afternoon, I challenge you to begin to identify the, the process that needs to take place in order for you to experience the peace that only God can give, a peace that surpasses all understanding.
a peace that only Jesus can give. A peace that once you've experienced it, you will want to grab, grab onto it and you're going to do what she did. You're going to support. I'm not talking about just with money. You're going to support with your life. You're going to be an ambassador of the gospel. You're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you're going to be a child of the king. That's what it means to have peace. It's not just a mental ascent of recognition that you have been forgiven. It's an embodiment, embodiment of the promises he has given you. It is you going out and fulfilling the go ye now and teach and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. May God bless you.